What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Lost Lifting Talk. All right, what is going on? Welcome back to the show. Chaz and I show. What's up, man? Thanks for being here. I'm happy to be here, man. How are you doing? Good, brother. It feels like it's been a bit since we've done this again. It has. Yeah, we haven't done a Q&A for a couple months. Last month we That's did. That's right. The, That's why it feels like so day. Yeah, last week we did, or last month we did the 90-day outcome. So I'm excited to, to do another Q&A. But uh, before we get into that, man, how is, I want to know about your gym in your garage. How's that going? <laughs> like I saw that you, uh, you got the squat rack, you got all of that. How's that? Dude, it's coming together. I, I've loved it so much, man. It feels, it's, it's super fun, honestly. Um, it's a little warm out there right now in Arizona, yeah. But uh, it's good, dude. I got, got my rack. Um, I have a lap pull-down coming. Um, you got gone all I, out. Like, yeah, I've tried. You've gone all out, man. With the, I saw that you ordered that lap pull-down, too, and then that <laughs> squat rack is awesome. But I saw, I think it was on Instagram, you posted that you had that lap pull-down coming. I was like, man, he is taking this seriously. I'm about, to, <laughs> I'm about to run out of room. Well, I very much cool. look at it as, like we were talking about off air, we both eventually want to have our own kind of content studio slash gym, right? Yeah. So very yeah. much I've looked at it. Okay, this isn't an investment right now. So I can have some dope-ass equipment in my content studio. And right now my garage is basically my content studio, which it's so small that like it's so hard to get a good angle of anything that I'm doing in there. But no, it's it's coming along well, man. I uh, I need to find a leg curl and leg extension combo. And then straight up, I think that's all I can fit in my current garage. Um, Legend makes a really, really good combo. Like a good like extension. Yeah. Is it, it plate loaded or selectorized? It's plate loaded. Okay. Okay. Is that what you're looking for? Or are you looking for selectorized? Oh, I've never used a plate loaded. Um, it's always the, like the resistance curve is a bit off, right? Cause it doesn't have the constant right. tension. I have, I have one in my gym and that's the only part that I don't like about it. But what you can do like to fix that resistance curve a little bit is put a band around the bottom, like to connect to the extension that comes out. Mm-hmm. So like the part that you, Curl, the plate loaded part of it you can put a band around that to the actual like stabilized part that stays still to create that constant tension so that you don't lose tension throughout the lift and it feels almost more like a cable they'll save you a bunch of money it's a good idea just to at least look at that's what we have at our gym and uh, it works well but the the resistance curve is a little bit different for sure i don't know why i didn't think to ask you about that actually because i feel like you would that's that cracks me up now i should have thought of that but okay um i'll check it i'll check that out for sure i've been like constantly on uh constantly on facebook marketplace craigslist oh, yeah. offer up just it's like an addiction now dude it's weird um now's, now's a bad time to be looking for fitness equipment too, i know dude, everything's <laughs> like watching sky high that that lap pull down i got um the day before it like came back available for pre-order or whatever there was a dude on facebook marketplace trying to sell me for sell it to me for like more than double what I ended up for. It's, it's, it's ridiculous, man, how, how much stuff is jacked up, but no, no, it has been, uh, it has been good. It's been fun. Um, that's awesome, man. Where did it come from? From rogue? Is that where you got the lat pull down? The lat pull down is from Titan actually. So oh, I was cool. pretty, I haven't heard great things about Titan except for like this lat pull down specifically. Everybody has good reviews of, I was going to get one from Rogue, except for both of them that they make are literally too tall to fit in my garage. So I had to, oh, like, really? yeah, so I had to cut a hole in the ceiling. So 
um that's where we're at but speaking of gyms you're about to step away from the gym right we are yeah we're getting ready to um to move here at the end of this month after we were talking about we're all meeting up and going to seattle for a weekend but when we get done there me and my wife and our daughter are going to move away for for about a month before we actually end up in our destination in california so this is actually my last week at the actual gym before i step away for whoever knows how long that's going to be. It's kind of a bittersweet moment, kind of sad because that was my dream, right? Like when I got into fitness and everything, like a 21 to 23-year-old kid, like I wanted to be a gym owner. I think that's kind of where we all start. You know what I mean? Like this dream of opening a gym and it's been awesome and being able to build that place up and start it from ground zero and get it to where it is today has been a really fun journey. I've learned a ton throughout the process, just like about fitness about that's where my training career started about business in general so super grateful for all of it it definitely is a little bit bittersweet like being in there the biggest thing i'm gonna miss is i've built that place like to be like my 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 gym you know what i mean like i got everything in there that i wanted to try all like my favorite toys different things like that so having to go to a commercial gym at this point when we end up in California, like I'm still searching to find like a, a smaller hometown type place. If you like, I'd rather find like a, I just don't love the commercial gym side of things. You know what I mean? Just like the feel, the, the vibe's not good. I'd honestly, I'd like to find like a, a functional place, like a functional slash CrossFit place that would just let me train in there. But right. I don't know if it's going to happen. Well, yours is like the, yours is just a beautiful blend of like functional training, but you still have like all of like, the machines you would want things like that your, your gym looks dope for real man i'm always jealous of that gym yeah thanks man um maybe one day it'd be fun if we were ever out here we could, <laughs> we could train there out in idaho <laughs> yeah i uh i love it man i really yeah i just the way that i like when i started with it all like it was more like all bodybuilding like getting right. the machines the cables you know and like the longer that my journey as a trainer and creating programs over time, like the more I've fallen in love with the functional side of things. And probably some of that has to do with like being around guys like you and being around guys like Cody and seeing how you guys program design and like John Russin and Marcus Philly and those types of guys. Just like, you know what I mean? The creativity side to more minimalism is like where I found myself later on, you know, more so. uh, Yeah. So in the last couple of years, like I've built out the whole functional end to it. And I'm sad to to leave that part of it because you don't find that in a lot of commercial no. type facilities. It's hard to man. That's what I the gym I was at in Nebraska was pretty similar to that. I think your gym is doper still, but like they were kind of like functional, but they still had kind of like this bodybuilding side of them as well. But they also had like turf and sled and like you could do like the the handles for heavy ass weighted carries and things like that, and like the garage doors you could go outside. But it's it's super hard to find a gym like that and like scottsdale everything outside of my garage gym um, is so commercial and whatnot it's 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 harder than you would think to find gyms like that yeah i think like in a bigger market i feel like that will that could be a type of environment that could thrive at some point you know what i mean like because they're you're right there you can't really find that even in california where there's gyms every single block i'm on google always searching for for (laughs) gyms like to look to be a part of and they have some of the stuff you want and they don't the others like i think taking that concept of 
like bodybuilding and functional and, and blending it into a smaller area to create like that community type feel, like almost that CrossFit feel, but more in like a, like a functional bodybuilding atmosphere. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, like there sure. could be a, a vibe for that at some point, like a little niche in the industry for gyms at some point. For so you're going to start a gym in California? No way. <laughs> no way. At least not right now. California's gyms still aren't even open, bro. I think they're still shut down for the most part. It's crazy. I know I have some clients in California whose gyms are open and some who are shut. So I think it's a county by county thing. Yeah, I, I think you're right. It is a county by county basis. I, most of my um, clients that I have out in California, for some reason, they all have home gyms. So I honestly am not sure. I just know like in the Orange County area that the last time I was out there, they were still all shut down but i know it's slowly opening hopefully by the time we get out there by like mid-december first of january things are open back up the only down i'm sure i'm gonna have to work out in a mask and being small town here like i haven't had to deal with that yet so that'd be a little bit interesting for sure <laughs> it is insane how long all of this is drug on dude it's in, it's it is crazy man like i remember us talking right when it was first happening right. like, just having conversations like what is going on like thinking it's only going to be a couple months and now we're October and like, we still aren't sure, you know, it's, it's absolutely insane. It's cool to see from a business perspective though. Things can like, I know when this first happened, I was like, fuck, like I was scared, man. I was too. It was terrifying, man. And I can't imagine either. Like, um, I can't imagine like having a brick and mortar business during this time. Like that would mm -hmm. be super like my buddy who's a PT studio owner um like watching him go through that like shit closing just out of nowhere and like him talking about like <laughs> the amount of revenue he was losing things like that like yeah, i can't yeah. imagine going through that because even for me i was like just like in the first couple of weeks like i think i lost like for four clients the first week because like they had got laid off and of course i wasn't gonna be like no you're gonna stick to your contract through this like, sure. like no i get it 100 but that shit was scary i can't imagine I can't imagine like even like the restaurants and whatnot that are like, you know, a lot of restaurants here are still closed. It's like, yeah. man, how are you even it's just so sad to see? Yeah, it's true, man. I, when we first had to close our, we were set up in the gym to have our best year yet. Right. Like things were going super strong and they just shut us down and revenue just went to zero. Just right. like that. Like it goes to show it go, like there's always pros and cons to it too, right? Because I was heavily in the brick and mortar side of the industry as well as the online side of the industry. So I think what happened for the online side of the industry though, if anything, and not to like benefit off of hard times for people, but like for us, it's shown our value in the market, I think. Right. You know what I mean? Because people are looking for more of an individualized approach. And I think it show, it's shown a lot of people, at least I know I picked up a lot of clients that we're working with a lot of one-to-one -one people in person mm -hmm. and then they still wanted that connection and then they came to the online space looking for it and realized that you could all honestly pay a cheaper rate and realistically get better help just because right. you can get help on nutrition and training and have the accountability aspect instead of just having somebody in the gym programming and, and counting your reps for you. Right. So, you know what I mean? So for the online side of things, like I think it, if anything, over the last few months, it's helped build up my business more than anything. Just be, and I think that's probably the case for a lot of a lot of online coaches. And like that sucks for the in person coaches, right? Like that, not for that sure. we want to benefit off of their loss or anything, but I think it just goes to show like the value that the online space 
really does bring to the marketplace. Right. No, no, I couldn't agree more, man. And I think that like, like you said, for many online coaches, good online coaches, it has been a very like positive thing. Like, I know for both of us, like businesses have grown a lot this year, despite a lot, which is cool to see too, like that it is more resilient, even like in a crazy time like this, you can still like, you've seen a lot of growth, things like that. Um, I don't definitely a double-edged sword too, though. Cause it is like, like you said, like for you, it sounds like the gym like you said zero revenue but in turn the online side of things grew a lot so probably a blessing in disguise for you yeah no 100 percent. yeah 100 percent. it's been a blessing in disguise like it's put us in this position now to be able to walk away from the gym comfortably like have a have my my career thriving at this point things are going well my my client list is solid i can take my family weekend move. My wife can start her job, um, start her career doing what she wants to do. And, and we're solidified because Boston lifting is, is at a place where it's at. Right. So I'm, I'm super thankful for everything that just where we're at today. And unfortunately it's happened. A bit of that is like, it's expedited because of, of COVID. Right. But like at the end of the day, man, like I know for you too, you've been working at this for three or four years and sometimes your breaks just kind of happen where they happen. You know what I mean? Right. But it's not going to happen unless you put in all that work for all that time. So it's just cool to have it paying off and, and uh, having lost and lifting, like be where it is today. It just like solidifies that I was right. And like, I believed in myself for long enough to make that shit happen. You know what right. I mean? No, hundred percent. I couldn't agree more, man. I feel like it's like weird. I feel like entrepreneurship is like weird moments of like, kind of like you're saying they're like, fuck yeah, like crushing it. Like I did this shit. And then it's like, but that's like once every couple of weeks you have a moment like that. And the rest of us, <laughs> like, yeah. it's falling apart. I've had that. Uh, I've had that conversation a little bit lately. Like I'm a dopamine junkie right? Like I'm always looking for that next hit of dopamine, like to, like to get that rush feeling. Like you like go a through thing. a week, you'll have a, what's that mean? Like, what? A new thing? What? Like, like doing something new you're saying or yeah. Like just getting that new rush of like accomplishment, right? Like oh, that sure. rush of like fulfillment, like maybe in a week it's like signing up four or five clients and you're like, yeah, like I'm thriving. Things are going awesome. You're on that high. And then the next week you sign up zero and you're like, oh, I suck. Like oh, yeah. what's wrong with me? Like my business is dying. You know what right. I mean? So like, oh, exactly. you're always waiting for like, you're always pursuing that next big rush. And like, I don't know if that's the greatest thing in the world to <laughs> always be shooting for. It'd be nice to be a little bit more even kill, you know, like right. when things are going well. And I, I always stress this to, to my own mentor clients, like just try to be more level level-headed you know what i mean like don't let the down times get you too down don't let the high times get you too high but still for myself i find myself like with the high times like yeah i'm freaking killing it like i'm the bee's knees i'm the bomb and then when they go, oh yeah when i'm slowed down I'm like i freaking suck you know what i mean like what, no, exactly. what am i doing like my business is gonna go to zero like it's just this constant wave and that's i feel like i've gotten a lot better i've gotten a lot more resilient to it but it's i was having this conversation this exact conversation with one of my mentor clients like two weeks ago because she was like having a rough week, a couple of clients left, nobody had signed up. And then I was talking to Cody about the same thing. Cause I was like, man, like shit's, shit was slow for me this week. And like <laughs> with her, like he literally, like I used the scale of, I used the analogy with her like two weeks ago of it's like the scale, right? Like one way in doesn't mean shit. It's like the average across weeks and months. And so I told her that 
and I was talking to Cody. I was like, like, dude, like stuff was like slow this week. Like podcast downloads are down a bit. Uh, <laughs> website, like traffic's down a bit. He's like, listen, man, it's like the scale. I was like, <laughs> like use the exact same analogy i was just giving my mentor client i was like okay like, like we we're talking about off air it's basically i didn't need to take some of my own medicine here and it's just funny how that works yeah it's so true man it's so funny too like with fitness and nutrition and training and changing your body composition the the principles that you learn from that the lessons that you learn like in resiliency and like staying level-headed and like looking at things long term how much they play in all the other aspects of your life too, especially business, like business and fitness are so similar in terms of like the principles and like the patience that's required and taking that into business, but not only there, but like just using those principles that you can learn from fitness on like accepting the journey is going to be hard, accepting that you're not always going to be motivated, like accepting there's going to be times that you want to quit along the, the journey, you know, and taking that into and implementing it into the rest of your life just helps your life in so many more ways than having a six pack or being more confident because you look better in a dress. You know what I mean? Like that's what it's done for me, man, over the years, just like it started with fitness when I was 18 years old and I've taken those principles and characteristics that I've learned and implemented and it's helped me so much in other aspects of my life. And that's why I'm still here doing it today, not for the body composition goals of it as much you know what i mean like it's for what it does for everything else and i think that's what clients learn along the way too at least i know a lot of mine do they start to realize that it's more about the added benefits everywhere else rather than just being able to fit into a smaller shirt size right oh no i couldn't agree more man it's just the carryover that you see to every other area of your life like i know for me like going through my first photo shoot prep where like before that, I had never been able to like get myself super lean. I never had like, I always like told myself I wanted to like achieve this whatever physique. Now again, it like wasn't actually achieving that that was like the thing, but like seeing myself go through like okay, like I did it, like I committed to this, I crushed it, I got in the absolute best shape I've ever been in my life. And know for me, like so much of that carried over to like my confidence in like putting myself out there on social media, like creating my business, like putting myself out there as like a quote unquote online coach for me. I don't know why I quote unquote that, but uh, <laughs> uh, for me, dude, it just had such a big carryover. And we see the same thing in clients. Like you have a client that's crushing it and all of a sudden they're like getting promotions. They're doing better at work or they're starting their own businesses, stuff like that. It is very cool. Like there's a saying, what is it? The body is the quickest path to power. I think that's what it is. I think but that is it. Yeah super super true it is weird almost how much of a carryover like people getting themselves taking ownership of their training and nutrition and finally creating changes that they wanted to for so long it how quickly it transfers to every other area of their life like now you're paying more attention to your relationships you're better in your relationships you're better at work it's, it's super cool to see yeah it like at the end of the day it just makes you more intentional as a human being right and when you're not being very intentional like with your nutrition or with taking care of your body. It's easy to let, like that's like the foundation to you building out your life. Like really taking care of you first physically and mentally is the foundation to prosper in other areas. So as you do get in better shape, you start to pay more attention to, well, how, how am I treating others? How, what kind of parent am I being? What kind of husband or wife am I being? Like how am I, how are others feeling when they're around me? Are they leaving in a more positive manner? How, how seriously am I taking my job? Am I just half-assing it? 
or am I giving an honest effort like I have been in my nutrition and training? Because if I guarantee if I give that same effort here, like I gave there, I'm going to see far better results like I did. So it's kind of just like that springboard that can right. show you that because I think so many people are scared that they're going to put effort into something and see no return. Like that's what everybody's scared of, right? Putting in a bunch of effort and failing at it. But at the end of the day, like what I always talk about, force your actions, especially when it comes to weight loss, force the scale to follow your actions over the long term. And I promise you that they will. But if you allow the scale to dictate your emotions, like you're going to end up way off track because you don't control where the scale goes, but you control what you can do. And over the long term, that scale is going to follow along. Right. And so it's that same, taking that same mindset into other areas of your life too. No, I love that, man. That's a, that's a great force of scale of all your actions. I'm definitely stealing yeah. that. Um, and I feel like just like you touched on, intentions with everything are so important. One thing that, and we're both in Wake Up Warriors, so we're both like well-versed with the body being balanced business. And I know we've talked about this a lot on the podcast as well. But one thing that I've, because I feel like it's so easy as well with everything that we do to like any of those areas, just go through the motions. Like one thing I've been doing every morning lately has literally been writing out my intentions okay what are my intentions today for my body right because I know like for me it's super easy to like okay I go lift and I'm just thinking about work the whole time or like okay I'm not gonna eat my pre-workout meal because I gotta finish this email or whatever and then like the end of the day I think back like fuck okay I probably like didn't put near as much in that training session as I could have and like after a week of being not intentional okay I probably didn't make that much progress this week or like same thing with my relationships like tonight I'm hanging out I'm like hanging out with Katie, but I'm actually on my phone. I'm answering emails still, whatever. Okay. Our relationship isn't progressing. So one thing I'm very much focused on is every morning. Okay. What are my intentions for this area? So like, okay, with my body, like why am I doing what I'm doing? And like, how am I going to attack this? That's been, and again, going through body being balanced business. That's been super helpful for me, actually kind of a side tangent, but a little relevant. Yeah, no, I love that. And I, I think, at the end of the day, that comes back to presence, right? Like being present in whatever part of your day that you're in. And I think that's where most of us mess up. I know that's where I mess up and that's where my anxieties stem from most of the time is that like I'm doing something, but I'm worried about the next thing. And so like, I'm never catching up to my thoughts and like learning to just be more present. And it's a skill. Like it's hard, at least for some, for me, it's a skill. It's something that I am trying to still acquire to this day. Like at home when I'm with my wife and daughter at night, a lot of times I'm thinking about what I need to do the next day. Or else I, right. I'll even think like, well, I, I deserve to shut off because I've worked so hard all day. Like I don't need to be present right now. Like I can just zone out and watch Joe Rogan or, you know what I mean? <laughs> Something like that. But right. I always find the more present that I try to be, the more intentional that I try, the more intention I try to put on being present the more happy and fulfilled I am through like whatever it is that thing is that I'm doing in that moment. And the more that I I put that in the back of my mind and I don't worry about it, I always let the next thought or the next thing take up my, my worries and my thoughts to keep me always worried about the next thing. What puts me more into like a fight or flight mode all the time to where I'm never like just enjoying what is now. That's all. And like not to get too deep, but that I've had this conversation with a mentor client just the other day too, but that's all that we have is like right. this moment now. You know what I mean? Like a lot of the times I think like for myself, the position that I'm in today, three or four years ago, I would have been ecstatic with that. Like right. I would be so stoked if I knew where I was today. And, but today it doesn't feel like enough. 
right? And so, because I'm worried about, well, I'm here, but I'm worried about losing it. And I'm worried about like, well, how am I going to get to that next spot? Right. Sometimes right. I think it's super, and we do that with our body compositions too. I see people do it all the time. I do it myself all the time. But sometimes I think it's the most important part is like putting your intention on the presence and just enjoying where you are today in this moment. Because that really is what we have, the only thing that can make you happy in the moment. I couldn't agree more, man. But I think that also we're, I think we're very like, we're definitely like thinkers and like always strategizing things like that. For you, do you feel like it's gotten a lot harder for you over the last like couple of years, especially to be present? So much. Yeah. Damn. So much. I feel like my life's just taken on so much more. And I, I put like this weird pressure on myself, maybe like as an entrepreneur, as a husband, as a father, like I've got to do all this work and like all the, all the pressures on me. Right. Right. So yeah, I've absolutely put more pressure on myself, the older that I've gotten. And then like having these conversations with you though, and, and having these conversations with mentor clients and thinking through this stuff helps me realize like, maybe I need to pull it back a little bit. Like maybe I need to focus more on like being a little bit more present and realizing like in this life, like if you're not going to be happy and you're just always stressed out and worried about the things that you can't control, like what's the point? Right. You know what I mean? So, so yeah, man, I, I find myself putting that pressure. I find myself getting to a point with it to where I end up short with people like snappy, always stressed out, like annoyed yeah. by others, more selfish than ever because I'm the one that has to go conquer the world by myself. When in reality, like none of this shit is that serious. Like we're playing a game. Right. You know what I mean? Like in business, like gamifying it and chilling out and like realizing like every little decision, every little thing that you do isn't going to make or break what happens in your future. You know what I mean? So 100%. I could, I couldn't agree more, man. I don't really have that much to add to that. Honestly, I feel like I've definitely felt the same thing over the last couple of years, especially as business has grown. I know for me, for me, it's kind of a weird relationship because there was a long period of time where I was very much into meditating um and always just like my main focus was being present but also like i feel like so much and you could probably attest to this as well so much of what you've achieved hasn't come through like yeah i'm just chilling i'm just being present which i'm not at all saying that's like what you're saying but when we're talking about being present but like for me very much i look at it as like okay i'm just gonna be present whatever happened whatever is is whereas like very much like what you achieved now has come through like you forced it to happen, right? Like through like thinking and planning and like creating and of course taking action on it. So I feel like for me, it's still very much like, it almost seems like they're two like opposing things in my head. Like, okay, like for example, like I feel like writing copy is such a great example of this. Like so much of what we do, I feel like requires like so much thought and like strategizing like okay who exactly is this speaking to how could i tweak this to like make it speak to them a little bit better as opposed to like okay i'm just gonna be present right whatever comes to mind right does that make sense 100 percent. i think that's why we're having this conversation in the first place is because like it's yet to be figured out like i don't think we ever figure it out you know what i mean because it's finding this balance of like how often should I be present and just enjoy and be content with where I'm at? And how much should I be like pushing pedal to the metal? Because the reality is if I stay present and content for too long, like I can't, you know what I mean? Like it's it's not going to get me anywhere, right? Like I'm not going to get to where I want to be in the future. So it's like finding this right balance of yes, being present 
taking the time to enjoy, but also knowing that like, it's still go time. Right. You know what I mean? Like I still have to go out every single day and perform and produce. And like, if I don't, like if I take a couple of days off of social media or something like that, like my anxiety starts to stick up because I know like my message needs to be out there. I need to be right. like producing content, helping people because the more that I help, the more that I grow and the more that I can just sit back and say, I don't need to worry about social media because I'm just going to be present with my family. Well then eventually like that leads to going down. You know what I mean? That means exactly. to losing to where my family is at. So yeah, I think that's why we have this like this conversation is so interesting and it never ends because there isn't an answer. You know what I mean? Like what's that? And it, everybody's individual. What's that right balance for you? But I think the important part is to make sure that there is some sort of a balance, whatever that may be. Make sure that you are looking at both sides, right? Like, are you going after, are you going and getting the things that done that you want to and being persistent towards them? And at the same time, when you're accomplishing, are you making sure to take a little bit of that time and be present and enjoy it? And I'll be honest, like with me, my biggest struggle is being present and enjoying it. Like that's where I should add a little bit more to the table. Like that percentage needs to come up and the go getter mindset needs to come down a little bit for my brain to, to be able to recover. No, I couldn't agree more, man. That is, that is a very good perspective. You're wise today, bro. I feel like you have lots of words of wisdom for me. I feel like you're, <laughs> I feel like you're mentoring me low key right now. Yeah. Hey, that's what I'm here for, man. Should we get into the questions? <laughs> Let's get it. I All know right, you cool. have a couple more than I do. Do you want to lead off? Sure, sure. Um, first one, if I'm not losing weight in a calorie deficit, should I decrease my calories again but then risk messing up my metabolism or should I go back to maintenance? Uh, there are a lot of factors there outside of just – because so much of it depends on like, okay, where are your calories at currently? And we also know like – yes you might how long have you been dieting um how lean are you there are so many different factors there that it's hard to give like hey do this i would say in that case i mean we know that in a roundabout way if you're not losing weight in some way shape or form you need to reduce calories so for example let's say that um it's a 140 pound woman and she right now is eating 1400 calories as tracked but like maybe if we looked at your tracker we worked through some things we could identify that like hey you're actually eating 1800 calories here's some things you're missing so while it might still seem like okay now i'm eating 1400 calories but now you're truly eating 1400 calories instead of like 1800 calories as before okay now you're losing um and that is there's so many different factors that go into that i would say like in a situation like this it also depends again on like how long has she been dieting? So typically what I would say, if it's been, and you have to look at your rate of loss as well. Like if you've been consistently losing for the last eight to 12 weeks, I would say take a diet break, reassess where you're at, how much leaner do you want to get? And then move from there. Again, you don't have to worry about like, Hey, I'm going to ruin my metabolism by dieting. Um, but also I would say like, if you're someone that's been dieting for like six months to a year, part of that too is just psychologically you get a lot more burnt out on the process and you might need, you would very likely benefit from like, Hey, maybe I'm going to take one to two months at maintenance, or maybe I'm even like in a very slight surplus and I'm just focusing on training performance and focusing on recovering better and focusing on building muscle. And then when you go back to the diet, your metabolism will be a bit faster, but primarily just like from a psychological perspective, it'll be easier to stick to. Um, yeah, that's, that's what I would say. Again, it depends on so many factors. 
Yeah, I agree. I think the biggest factor is that it, it depends on, you touched on it first, looking at adherence. Am I actually eating the amount of calories that I think that I'm eating? Just like you said, and working through that. And then it comes down to how long have you been in the deficit? Just like you said, how, how long have I been dieting for? Am I mentally burnt out? If both of those factors are correct, let's say that um, you're, you are eating the right amount of food, you aren't burnt out yet, you haven't been in the diet for too long yet, I would say look at your biofeedback. Look at how hungry are you? Um, how motivated are you? Where are your stress levels at? Where are your sleep levels at? All that kind of stuff. And if those are all positive still, then I would say that you could drop calories a little bit and continue going. If all of those are negative, you're super stressed out, you're not able to stay very consistent, your sleep isn't very good, you're really hungry, then it's probably a good idea to come back up to maintenance. And again, you're never going to necessarily ruin your metabolism. I think people think like you can put your metabolism in this place to where like it's never going to come back and it's, right. it's going to be gone forever and you're just going to gain loads and loads of weight. In reality, you just got to understand that the metabolism is adaptive over time to the environment that you place it in. So as you stay lower calorie, the metabolism is eventually going to slow down. But that means when you start to up calorie slowly over time, if you go through a smart reverse phase, you can bring that metabolism back with time as well. So I would take a look at your biofeedback. If your biofeedback is all negative, probably a good idea to increase calories take some time at a maintenance phase to let all of that recover. If biofeedback is still all positive, not too hungry, you're feeling okay, then it might make sense just to drop calories a little bit further and continue to dig um, to get to whatever that goal is that you have for yourself. That's perfect. I really like biofeedback as the determinant for like if you push further or if you dial it back. I yeah, would yeah, I, that's what I always try to like, that's always top of mind, right? Like I never right. want to push anybody much further if they're already super hungry. Well, right. like I'm only going to make your life harder in terms of that. And most people that we work with already are stressed out. They already have jobs. Right. They already have kids. They already aren't getting enough sleep. You know what I mean? So like finding that sweet spot and I always make, and I'm, I'm sure you do too, but I always make like my main consideration on when making adjustments is dependent upon biofeedback a lot of the oh, time. Sure to see where to take that person. That's kind of like the compass. Especially for diet breaks and maintenance phases, like especially yeah. for transitioning out of a diet, we should say. Yeah. Like for me, even, um, I started a diet earlier in the summer and I got about like a month and a half through it and lost and lifting started to pick up pretty right. fast, started to get busy. And like, I was stressed out with the gym and everything going on and like stress was getting bad. Sleep was getting bad. Hunger was getting higher. I was like, I've just got to come out of this, you know, <laughs> yeah. like just take some time because this is not realistic to add the stress of the diet on top of all of it. And I've just been chilling around maintenance and slowly recomping very, very slowly, like nothing right. exa exaggerative, but like slowly just chipping away at training and keeping nutrition consistent and making a little bit of progress, but nothing like I would be if I was actually deeper into the deficit, like I could have been, but I knew that like where my life was at, at the moment, it, it wasn't realistic and where my biofeedback was coming back at. Oh no, for sure. And that's the reality for so many people. It's, it's such a complex equation, which is why with that, we can't give exactly like, Hey, do this. Cause we also had to look at with her, like, where are you at with your life right now? Like if stress is a lot yeah. higher, probably is going to be a lot more challenging time for you to diet just like you were talking about with loss and lifting starting to blow up just all these different factors like the actual physiology of dieting is relatively simple right very simple but there's so when we get into psychology your life outside of this your relationships your relationship with food 
all this shit makes it so much more complex. And I think that that's really where like, I feel like if you're looking at helping clients achieve results, like speaking to coaches, it's so much more. I know for me, the biggest things that have helped like me help clients achieve better results have never been like, okay, I'm taking this nutrition course. Of course that stuff is helpful. Like I'm going to learn more about the science of nutrition. Of course that's helpful, but it's so much more into like diving into psychology, behavior change, things like that, that really actually help. Yeah. 100%. Like I, I've got shirts, lots of lifting shirts made that say one mental, two physical, because you're not going to change physically until you learn to start working on yourself mentally. Right. Like right. the science is relatively simple when it comes to fat loss. Mm-hmm. The mental aspect to everything is very complicated. Like very individual. that's where things are individualized more than anything. Right. 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 No, so, I love it, man. I don't think I have anything else on that one. Neither. I think we're good. All right. What systems do you, or what system do you have in place to stay organized with all of your nutrition clients? I need to learn to simplify the process. That's a good question. Uh, when I first started, I had zero systems and <laughs> it was like all up in my brain and that doesn't work out very well. Um, a lot of coaches do things in different ways. Like I know that Jeremiah's system is different to my system. So how mine works, uh, like to keep people organized is every single week, my clients receive a, an email on Sundays that sends them a link to the backside of my website that sends you to a questionnaire for the week. And in that questionnaire, I get your, what's that? Yours is in the website. Sorry. Yeah. No, you're good. My questionnaire comes through on the back end of the website. So that's where I get your weigh-ins for the week. I get your measurements. Um, I get your adherence. I, I want to know about your training. How did your training go? And then I get all your biofeedback too. So like your stress levels, your sleep, your hunger, your digestion, all that good stuff, as well as just any feedback that you have for me in terms of whatever's gone on through the week. Was it good? Was it bad? What are your thoughts on the week? Is there anything that you need adjusted for the upcoming week that's coming up so that we can plan for maybe social events or a vacation if we need to alter programming, anything like that? So right. I, on Sundays, I just start getting all of my... I just start getting notifications of client check-ins coming in. And then Mondays, Tuesdays, I take care of all of those. But as the check-ins come in, like I handle all those on Mondays, Tuesdays. What I have is just on the backside of an Excel sheet. Um, I have it set up with each client and a table for each client with their time frame that they're working me with. I get their program. I know what program they're running because it's listed there. I have the dates for each week. Um, I have whatever their goal is. I have where they're calories are set. I have their weights and their measurements. And that's where I just plug everything in to have the backside data for each client. Um, just to see where they're at in the timeline of things and where their progress is going and knowing where calories are at. And if anything needs to be adjusted as far as that goes, as well as, as, well as their periodization scheme. So right. if they've committed to like a 24 week period, I have that periodization scheme up showing like when we started the deficit, when our plan is to come out of that deficit, um, things like that, where their primer phase was at and how their body reacted during that primer phase to know where we're relatively trying to get back to after the roof through the reverse diet, all of that kind of stuff. But that just comes with time building all right. that stuff out. Right. I'm sure that yours is pretty similar. I know that was long, but that no, gives you like the whole back end of what it seems like. Well, that's perfect. Like. Cause you basically covered mine as well. Um, <laughs> that's very, very similar as far as like, I mean, I have a Google form that my clients yeah. fill out instead of like on the back end of the website, but same thing, biofeedback, what, well, this week, what you need to do differently, PRs, just different info about the week, all that. Um, they submit those, they fill out their, uh, 
accountability sheet, which again, I think is very similar to yours. We track macros, body weight at least three times a week, steps, hunger, energy levels, training performance, recovery. And then I'll have like different things depending on the client. Like maybe we mentioned throughout the week, like stress is high. So you're going to be meditating five days this week. Okay. We're going to add that to your tracker as well. So different things like that. And then I'll have my clients take body measurements weekly, progress pictures monthly. But again, I think that our, our systems are, and then like it's similar to you, we have like the whole periodization laid out like for every single week in the tracker as well. Um, I think that our, just because who we work with and like, I, it's cool. Like within even our circle, everybody kind of like balances off and like, takes things that they like from other people like i know i've pulled some things from you and i so it's i'm guessing our processes are very very similar um but then i think that as far as like how do you keep your nutrition clients organized i think that so much of that too comes down to like you clearly explaining the process when they come on like you know for me it's very much like because I know like when I first started coaching and again, I didn't have any systems or like I wasn't good at setting expectations. It was kind of like, okay, some people are texting me. Some people are emailing me. Some people are just DMing me via Instagram. Um, some people are doing their shit. Some people aren't filling this out. So I think that such a big piece of it too is like one, okay, you get just literally write out like everything your client needs to do across the course of the week, right? Like what specific day time do they need to be checked in by when do they need to take progress pictures like the more specific with days and times you can get the better um and then from there just like clearly communicating that to the client like hey this is exactly how we do this this is exactly why this is exactly when we need this by i think that's really like i don't think that either of us have like that complex of systems right it's just really like making sure that you're communicating it clearly to the client, what they need to have done weekly and when they need to have it done by. And I, for new coaches listening, I know that there's new coaches that listen on my end and I'm sure there are on your end too, Jeremiah. Um, When you first begin, what happens a lot of the time is you're so green and you just want clients that you're willing to sacrifice your systems to like, try to like make it more convenient for that client. But at the end of the day, you're the one that's working with more people. And if you don't have the correct systems in place, you're not going to be able to, you won't help your clients as good as you should be because you're going to be the one that's super scattered. So like, just as Jeremiah said, like find one form of communication that works best for you. If that's text message, if you want to do that, if that's all email, if it's all DM, whatever it may be, find one system and use that one system. And like for check-ins, have one day where people are supposed to be checked in by and like, hold true to that one day because as your business grows and if you're serious about building a coaching business with that holds 30, 40, 50, 60 clients, think about how chaotic that could be <laughs> with people coming from all over, people checking in at random times of the day. Um, you're going to end up resenting your clients and your business at the end of the day. So just creating a structure that first you have to abide by, it's going to make you be more structured and like have to handle things by a certain timeline as well to be like time efficient with your clients as well as making them be more time efficient for you is just going to help them get better results because you're going to be able to help them further by being a better coach. Oh, I couldn't agree more, man. You crushed that. And that's like, I had a, I had a dude last week that didn't sign up because I said I refuse to do text. Like it's gotta it is what it is, right? Yeah. And it's just like, well, I feel like that just takes away the personal touch. And like for me, 
I can give you so much more info. I will go so much harder on an email than I could possibly give you via text. But listen, man, I get where you're coming from. But again, like I'm not willing to budge on these systems because I know what allows me to give my clients the best service. And like you said, like, and I think we've probably both been there where it's like, okay, got my check-ins done. And then like you wake up in the middle or like you're in bed, like, oh fuck, I forgot to answer all these texts. Or like yeah. that client that checked in via Facebook Messenger, like it's just it allows you to get such a better service. So you crush that, dude. I agree 100%. My turn? Yep, let's get it. On refeed days, am I supposed to raise calories to maintenance or a surplus? So, again, it kind of depends. I mean, if we look, okay, so if we look at a refeed, we know that really, like for a long time we thought or it was thought that a refeed was going to give you some metabolic benefits, right? Like your leptin is going to shoot up if you increase calories via carbs. But now we know that like within, and I think it's even longer than, I think that the leptin studies they've done. Interestingly, like leptin is something that's thrown out there a lot, but there's very, very few studies on leptins and leptin in humans. It's all like leptin in rats. And even then it was like a very small very, very small increase in leptin, which for those who explain don't know. What is, lep, yeah, explain what leptin is. <laughs> kind of get ahead of myself. Um, okay, so leptin is basically hormone in your body that kind of senses, um, in simplest terms, we could say it drives your hunger. So it's very much related to satiety, how full or how hungry you feel, and energy expenditure. So when we start a diet, levels of leptin decrease. Now, a lot of leptin literally comes from your fat cells. It's produced by your fat cells. So when we get leaner, so like when we're shredded, and this is why like when you're super, super lean, it's often not sustainable, like photo shoot lean, because your fats, you have so few or like such smaller fat cells, the levels of leptin are a lot lower. So therefore levels of hunger are higher. And when leptin is lower, our body wants to, because again, our body is sensing that, hey, we have less body fat than we want. Um, your body is also going to typically do things like, okay, it's going to subconsciously reduce need or not exercise activity. So like pacing, fidgeting, blinking, just because your body is sensing that you have such a low level of body fat, it wants to do everything possible to conserve calories. Right. So like the original or one of the main thoughts around refeeds for a long time was, and again, I'm not sure, like when you look at the literature, I've never said that before. When you look at the studies, all the, all the super smart people, that's what I was going to say. All the super smart people you hear that I am, I don't read PubMed studies. So very, very rarely. Um, I apologize for saying that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, anyways, when you look at the studies, because this is something I dive into a bit, uh, there are very, very few actually in like, leptin in humans there's like one that showed like a seven percent increase with overfeeding on carbs so like being in a surplus on carbs like a seven percent increase in metabolism across 24 hours um but then it's like right away leptin levels tend to decrease like almost immediately when you hop back into the diet so like there's not really an actual metabolic benefit to a refeed it's not going to keep your metabolism faster across the course of diet it's pretty much like the only benefits we really see are going to be from adherence like and I know like most of my clients, I'll give at least one refeed a day or one refeed a week just because it helps them stick to the diet long-term, right? Then if we're looking from like a body composition perspective, it's going to refill you. If your refeed is coming via carbs, it's going to refill your muscle glycogen store. So like going to the next training session, you'll be able to push a little bit harder. Recovery will be a little bit better. 
So it could also potentially help like you maintain or build more muscle through the over the course of a diet which is an interesting but like as far as like actual metabolic so, and i'm sorry this is a very convoluted answer oh, but we don't actually like we the point of this is we don't necessarily have this like hey i need to hit this target in order to get the benefits of a refeed right so i would say like if your number one goal is fat loss it can literally be anywhere between your current deficit and maintenance so for most people i would say we just wanted to bump it to a level that like whatever will allow you to get more flexible um that'll just keep you sane mentally so like hey if i need another 500 calories to work in like a burger tonight right and that'll help me keep on point for the next week but i'm in a 700 calorie deficit cool let's just bump that 500 calories so typically like for clients with strong fat loss goals like that's the primary outcome Often I'll be like, okay, this is probably like 100 to 200 calories below maintenance. Whereas again, if it's like a body recomposition scenario where we're chasing, like we want to make sure performance is as good as possible throughout this period, then that's where I'd more likely bump it to right around maintenance. It's pretty rare that I would actually make it a surplus unless again, it's like a client that I feel like needs that for adherence sake. Clients but do that on their own anyway. Sorry to yeah. get you off. But they turn it into <laughs> their own. Sometimes it does anyways. And that's <laughs> that's kind of like the conversation of like, okay, I know I hopefully she doesn't listen to this and know this is what I did now, but like one of my clients the other day, like, you know how you, you have some clients that are like super consistently, like no matter what you set their calorie target at, they're like a hundred calories over always. Oh yeah. So I give like, ranges. That's why I give ranges. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I still have like plus or minus a hundred, but yeah. it's like, okay, if the calorie goal is 2,900, then every day you're at 3000. So I want you to hit 2,900. So now I'm going to adjust your calories to 2,800. Right. So it's kind of like, I was just doing, I just cracks me up that we mentioned that. Cause I just had to do that with one of my clients the other day. Like, okay, I still want you to hit the exact calorie target that I set before, but I'm going to set this lower. So you end up there instead of that anyways. So yeah, a lot of factors there, but, um, I don't, I think that it's pretty rare, like in a fat loss scenario, I think that people sometimes get too cute with like implementing stuff like this and it's better to just get the job done ASAP and get out of the deficit long-term than like drag it out. 100%. Um, I don't don't think I, with that, just to follow up everything you're spot on, like, should I hit a, a surplus or should I get right to maintenance? Ideally somewhere between a hundred calories below or a hundred calories above you're probably going to be just fine. Like for the average gen pop person, if you have a goal of fat loss at the end of the day, the important thing is the refeed is there mostly at this point. We've learned through um, a lot of studies, a lot of literature. (laughs) I'm so so sorry. I've never said that before. We've learned that most of the benefit are really just is the psychological aspect of to help you stay more adherent over the long term with the diet. So as long as you're within that hundred calorie range of your maintenance, I wouldn't overthink it too much and uh, just go that route right around maintenance and you're totally fine. Perfect. Perfect. Um, I don't have anything else to add. (laughs) Oh, my chair just fell. (laughs) You good over there? Yeah. Yeah, I'm good. All right. Also, what do you do with a client that won't log food? So these are both from the same person. Okay. What do you do with a client that won't log food? If that is the case, 
First and foremost, I like to hop on a phone call just because this is usually like a bit of a deeper conversation that you're going to have. And not all coaches will get on phone calls um, with clients, but if somebody's struggling, that's, that's the first thing I'm going to do because they need human connection, right? Like you need to right. have, be able to have a conversation and hear what they're saying. Can always get that through typing. So if they won't log food, we need to find out why, like, where is that path of resistance coming from? Is it because you think you're going to start logging and then you're going to give up on it anyway? So there's no point in even trying. Is it because you aren't sure how to do it? Where is it just because you don't want to do it? And those are all are going to lead to having to lead you in a different direction, right? right? If it's just because somebody doesn't want to, then we'll come up with strategies. First, I'll be realistic with them and say, okay, if you do not absolutely want to log your food, that is fine. But on the back end of that, I can't guarantee you that I can get you to the result that you want to as right. fast because we don't have data to track off of. Now we can absolutely follow some principles in terms of making sure that you're eating somewhere between 30 to 40 grams of protein per meal, only eating three meals, one snack, and then one dessert after dinner. And with time, um, we can just look at your food choices and try to alter things that way. But right. at the same time, you're not going to get to your goal as efficiently is if you would just log food. So it's setting that right expectation for them to understand that how serious that goal is and then just creating a plan that can work best to get them there. Sometimes it's just setting up a plan that doesn't make them have to um, log food. I'll never set somebody up on an exact meal plan though. Like I'll never hand over a meal plan and say, follow this because I'm more interested in helping you be able to sustain your results in the long term rather than just seeing you create the result in the short term. And a, a meal plan only works for as long as you're able to stick with it and you're not going to be able to stick with it when you go out to dinner or you have family events or vacations and whatnot. So I don't like that idea of ever doing a meal plan, but I'll just set realistic expectations. If it's a mental barrier that we have to work through, then we'll have the conversation to work through that mental barrier to just start taking the first actions. A lot of times it's just counting, starting out by trying to track calories. Then it's maybe tracking calories and protein. And then with more serious clients who are trying to get to um, pretty lean levels, then we're looking at counting macros altogether. Right. But that's basically the diff, the three different scenarios that I've ever ran in with people and the different ways that I try to handle it. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I honestly, most clients that come on and talk about macros a lot. So most clients that I work with at least want to track calories and protein. This is definitely it's in your content too, right? Like you're always talking right. about it. So you're going to attract people that are acceptable of doing it. Exactly. And that, honestly, that's very intentional because yeah, I don't as much like taking someone through like a handful diet approach or an approach where you're not tracking because yeah. like you said, dude, it's so much harder to, it's a lot more guessing as far as like, okay, I'm guessing they're eating about this much. I'm, and it, I've often found that to get the outcomes you want, it does come down to like, even if they're not like actually tracking stuff in my fitness pal, like, okay, you're taking a picture of all your meals and sending them to me. Or you're putting like the foods you ate into a spreadsheet. So it's basically the same amount of work as tracking, but we're just, um, so again, like I typically, I do though have people come on occasionally that don't want to track. And in that case, like, like you said, the expectation is super important. Hey, like you don't have to track the rest of your life, but tracking will help you get the outcome you want faster. So let's say like the most common client journey is like someone that doesn't want to do it. Like, oh, okay, that makes sense. All right. I'm gonna hop on board tracking until I get the result you want. And then like, and the reality is like so much of what we do is dive into people's food diaries, teach them how to like choose more satiating foods, teach them how to I call it auto regulating their appetite, but how to manage things better, like make smarter food choices. So you won't always be as tempted to overeat. And the reality is like 
by the time you've gone through three to six months of coaching, and I think you do something somewhat similar as well, yeah. but like the time you've gone through like three to six months of that, you're habitually choosing foods that like when you transition, even if you stop tracking, you'll already have a good, like just habitually the foods you choose will help keep you from overeating. That said, like with clients in a scenario like this, typically like then I would just start like, okay, what can you do? So I know I've talked about the handful diet a bit in the past. Like basically you just, that's from precision nutrition. Basically you have yeah. portion sizes based on your palms, cupped hands, thumbs, etc. Um, if clients are resistant to that, then I'll typically just start like, okay, Hey, we're first going to start. Um, you're going to try to get one to two palm size portions of protein in with each meal, right? Like basically then if like a client is still resistant to even like doing something like the handful diet, we're just trying to figure out, okay, how can we push out more of the calorie dense foods that they're eating with like more satiating, higher volume, lower calorie foods. So we know like a good start is going to be lean protein. So like, Hey, first, can we get this client consistently eating like two palm size portions of lean protein in each meal? Okay, cool. Once they master that, can we get them eating a piece of fruit? every day okay now can we get two now can we get two servings of veggies and like by the time they've done that it will just have literally pushed out probably 500 to a thousand calories from the day they'll lose a good amount of weight now like past that point then like by the time you've taken a client through that process again they've typically lost a good amount of weight and you have a lot more buy-in like okay now i trust you that to make the next step we need to start tracking so that's typically how the process goes but yeah i think that if somebody's super resistant to that, just you have to work through with them what they are willing to do. Some people will be on board with a handful diet. Some people can see that it's about just as much work as tracking anyways. Um, so again, like maybe you start with protein. But I think that that's, that's typically like the progression I would take people through. And even people that are tracking, that's the progression, right? Like first, we're going to make sure you're eating all your protein. What's your lowest protein meal? We'll bump it up there first and then the next lowest and the next lowest. Okay, now we're going to work on a piece of fruit every day. Now two. Now we're going to get a serving of veggies every day now too. And then this is all that makes sense. No one. Yeah. 100%. I agree. And I, just the last thing to add, we can move on is that um, I know this happens with a lot of my clients too, is teaching them the role that tracking plays like tracking is, <clears throat> excuse me, tracking is an investment into your long-term sustainability, right? Like you don't have to track forever. I go through certain phases each year to where I'll put tracking aside for like a six month period um, to where, but you don't, you have to track. I like to track to get to the result that I want to and then learn how to sustain it. And then you've developed the habits through tracking to understand what the smart food choices are going to be. And as you reverse back up to a maintenance phase, as you've sat there and let your body recover, now you can start to rely on those hormones like your leptin levels, your ghrelin levels, um, that sort of thing to be able to eat in a more intuitive manner down the road after you've created the result that you want to. Um, and you can use the skills that you learn through tracking to be able to sustain that result that you've created. And a lot of people think, oh, tracking, do I have to track my food forever? I had a client ask me that the other day too. Like she finished up her 12 weeks. She wants to keep going, but she says, what's the deal with tracking? Like, is this something that I'm going to have to do forever? Is there a way to transition out of this? And we had to have that conversation around, well, right. we've gone for 12 weeks. You've gotten closer to your goal. You're not quite there yet. If we can just keep going and pushing with the tracking for a little bit longer, then this is the process of going through a reverse, of getting you to a maintenance, of getting your body fully recovered. And then from there, you can slowly look at going into more of an intuitive approach and getting rid of tracking altogether. But that doesn't mean that you're never going to have to use it again. It just depends on when you have a, the next goal that comes up that's going to be require you to be a little bit more intentional with your, your caloric intake. 
Right. I couldn't agree more, man. I think that the best way to, I found the quickest way to teach someone how to maintain without tracking though is tracking because you can see their food. Exactly. You, can, you can give them a specific, like, Hey, if you swap this for this, this would help your satiety. You could add more fiber here. You could add, you could increase the portion size of this from more protein. Whereas if you don't have, have some, all someone's data, if you can't see an actual food diary, just so much harder to do. Absolutely. All right. Ready? Yep, let's get it. This one's a little bit longer one. I'm 24, six foot, and weigh about 138 pounds. I'm nervous to eat more than 1,923 cal- to 2,300 calories per day, but really want to build muscle. Problem is I'm scared to gain fat as well. I've seen tremendous muscle growth so far since early May when I started. I lift and do cardio six times a week for about 1.2 hours a day, but find myself in the last month or so thinking of food a lot. I've, I find myself thinking of food a lot. I have less sex drive and I'm a bit irritable. Do you think I should increase calories? My body fat percentage is crazy low, but my body fat percentage is crazy low. Do you have any recommendations? Want to just get healthier and not worry so much about food. So 100% eat more. Is this a woman or a man? It's a guy actually. Okay. Okay. So he's very lean. Okay. Yeah. Dude, you're shredded if you're six foot 138. Is that what you said? Okay. 138. Yeah. So yeah, super lean. Definitely eat more. That's especially if the goal is to build muscle. Um, and it sounds like he's already made good progress, which kudos to this dude. It sounds yeah. like I'm guessing he's more of a beginner at the gym. But the thing you have to realize too is like, I love talking about the, the body recomposition, building muscle and losing fat at the same time because it's super, it's super cool. And it is very possible for like new online clients. But also you have to realize that like the leaner you are, the harder it is to continue to build muscle. Um, because muscle is a very calorically expensive tissue, right? Like to both build and maintain, it takes a lot of calories. So if your body senses that calories are super low, which like in the case of like, is in his case, he's very food focused. sounds like cravings are high. Hunger is high. Your body is never going to prioritize building muscle. So that's like in all of my clients that are in building phases, one of the main things we look at is like, Hey, where's your hunger at? Where your cravings are at? Those are like above two, even like a two consistently is higher than we want to see it. But especially if we're seeing like threes and fours, we're absolutely going to bump up calories because we know like, okay, if you're consistently hungry now, granted like the food selection is part of that as well. But by this time we've educated somebody on pretty much what we talked about during the last question, but okay. Like if hunger is up there, we don't want you hungry very often. We don't want cravings high very often because again, you're sending your body the signal that calories aren't abundant. So it doesn't make sense to prioritize building muscle. And especially like in his case, if he's seen like sex drive is low, um, overall energy is low. So like we talked about before, many of your hormones come from the literal, literally come from your body fat. And sometimes like I've gone through this process right now as well. Like I was just writing an Instagram post about this right before we hopped on. But like for me, like after my first photo shoot, I tried, I tried to stay that lean, like shredded lean for a long time. And basically I just felt like shit similar like he's saying like sex drive was lower um i couldn't build i don't think i built hardly any muscle in the time frame that i tried to stay as lean as i did just because like for many of us building muscle is gonna require adding a bit more body fat than you might want to have but like how you have to look at it long term is to achieve the physique that you want for most of that us that requires building muscle but also for most of us to build muscle, we need to be not as lean as we want. So it's kind of like a short-term investment. Like, Hey, I'm going to be okay with being a little bit fluffier for like 
six months to a year to build a lot of muscle. Then next time you like when you go on a diet, you go through a cut, you get a bit leaner. Your physique will look a lot different, but you don't have to get as lean as you are to look as muscular as you want because you have more muscle on your frame overall. What one hundred percent answer the question? Yeah, no, that one hundred percent answers it. Um, the big thing here too is the mental factor that you have to get over of eating more food because we're always so worried about being leaner, being leaner, right. being leaner. Like with the world of social media and and comparing yourself against others and and whatnot, is that that can be super hard. I found myself in that situation when I first got into like the um, science end of nutrition and tracking calories. I kept myself low calorie for like two and a half years straight. And I, I stayed single digit level body fat, um, for a really long time, but I was having crazy binge episodes every now and again, because I was always so hungry and so food focused that I couldn't right. control myself. There was no balance there. My training sucked. I was super weak. I was starting to like, I was definitely losing some muscle along the process too, just because I was always so low calorie and, and so drained that, um, I was losing strength, didn't feel very good. Sex drive was extremely low, always hungry. Like my life was just being affected by food far more than it should have been. And right. I think there's a balance there, right? Like you have to be, you have to always be mindful and intentional with your food. Absolutely. But it shouldn't be to a point to where it's affecting your mood and it's affecting your relationships with others. And if it is, then there's a problem there. And this is where creating periodization schemes inside of your nutrition over the year becomes so important and gives you control of your body composition over the long haul, but it's going to help you stay um, leaner and looking better throughout the process. So just because you're adding calories in doesn't mean that you're going to start putting on a bunch of body fat. But consequently, or ironically, if you don't, you're probably going to end up having a very unhealthy relationship with food down the line to where you're having these binge restrict episodes, which will probably lead to, lead to you adding more body fat in the long run than just upping calories and getting yourself up to a maintenance or into a slight surplus for a little while to focus on building muscle. And knowing that if you set a plan, okay, I'm going to reverse up to maintenance, I'm going to go into a slight surplus, I'm going to try to gain around this amount of weight per week, roughly around like 0.25 pounds per week, roughly one to two pounds per month, and I'm going to stay there for six to 12 months and just slowly go through this gaining phase and accept that it's going to take a long time, but I have this end date to it. So then if I do put on a little bit of body fat through the process, I'm still in 100% control because I have an end date to this and then I can put myself right. back into another deficit and repeat this process over the long haul. Our bodies aren't meant to always be in a surplus. They're not meant to right. always be in a deficit. The fine line and the overall goal, and we've talked about this on episodes in the past, is the overall goal is maintenance. Maintenance is your home at the end of the day. So you need to go through, you can go through deficit phases. You can go through surplus phases. You can go through maintenance phases to recover from both but just understanding the science behind everything and that you are in control and that just having a little bit of body fat on your body isn't going to make people think of you any differently. You're not going to have to think of yourself any differently as long as you have a long-term plan to eventually get to where you're trying to go and realizing that that's going to take a really long time. Like fitness is – that's the fun thing about this and your body composition. Like you got to stop worrying so much about how you're going to look next week, next month in a couple months, like it's about the long-term journey to get to where you want to be when you're 30, 40, 50, 60. Like that's why we're doing this. And when you take so much focus and pressure off of yourself to have a six pack for the beach on your next vacation and things like that, it gets a whole lot more enjoyable and you, you're just along for the ride and enjoy it for what it is rather than putting so much pressure on yourself to look a particular way in a certain amount of time. For sure. I love it, man. And 
in that situation, I would say like one sure one sure way that you won't ever like achieve the seed you want is staying in deficit. Like you said, yeah, absolutely, very, very unlikely that he's going to be able to build much more muscle. But it, it is likely that if he continues this, it will lead to more fat gain. Whereas like yeah. a lot of it, like to change your body composition, a lot of times you just have to gain weight. Again, like muscle mass has weight. So like he's never going to like for this guy specifically, like at 138, you're not going to have as much muscle as you want ever. Like if you gain 15 pounds of muscle, your physique will look a lot different, but you also have to be okay that like, oh shit. And like now I weigh 153, right? Even if your body fat's exactly the same, you're still going to be a lot heavier. So it's kind of disconnecting from disc. One of my clients emailed me this on Monday, like how helpful it was for him to disconnect from like a lower scale weight and like doesn't necessarily mean more aesthetics like for him he's gotten heavier but it's very similar situation to this body fat stay the same but he's built a lot of muscle so therefore he looks a lot better um anyways i think that's all i have on that one same last thing to note is your training will be so much more fun when you add in more food training is not supposed to be this grind that like you're just pushing yourself through and it sucks like when you're feeding yourself adequately and your your training is progressing over time and you have um, a performance-based goal. And that's the last thing that I'll add here. Instead of focusing so much on aesthetics, like one easy thing to do is just switch your goal. Switch to some performance-based goal. How much do you want to bench? How much do you want to squat? How much do you want to deadlift? And start aiming towards that. And as you start feeding yourself more food, your training is going to get a whole lot more fun and you're just going to put your intention somewhere else to kind of mask that thought of having to gain some weight in the process. I love it, man. I think that's perfect. All right. I got one more and then we'll wrap this thing up. You ready? Let's get it. How long should I reverse diet and stay at maintenance calories if the goal is to go back into another deficit again? A lot of this depends again on biofeedback. So typically like when we're looking at when we're looking at how long you should reverse diet, pretty much the two markers I use to end reverse diet are one is biofeedback in a good place? So, like, no matter what the reality is, when we're looking at the reverse dieting process, like, basically, it's the whole goal of a reverse diet is one, we're trying to bump your maintenance as high as you can without fat gain, but two, we want to be a point where it's realistically sustainable. So, like, it's very similar to what we were just talking about. If you're already so lean that um, that you can't, like, your biofeedback is shitty, you just feel terrible at this current level of calories. Even like when we bump you up to like your current maintenance. No matter what, you might just need to put on some more body fat before you can realistically maintain this, right? Now, that said, if that's the case, so if we're talking like a scenario like this, like, hey, I'm dieting, I'm reverse dieting, but the goal is eventually to diet again, I would say that like if you're already to the point where at maintenance, so like I, so like right now if we're talking about like you're in a reverse diet, which I guess I'm also kind of assuming here we're talking about like how I reverse diet clients is like, we're going to bump right up to right below your estimated maintenance and we're slowly increasing. So here I'm assuming she's already like at her estimated maintenance. If biofeedback is bad at that point, then there's no, you're going to have to go through all this is tied together very well. You're going to have to go through a building phase to get to a point because right now we know that like you're kind of like, this is the floor of there's a certain floor to like, once you're past this percent of body fat, you're just going to feel shitty even at maintenance kind of like I was talking about there, like post photo shoot when I was trying to stay so lean or like this dude that was so lean, right? Even at maintenance, you just feel terrible. You have to gain more body fat in order to feel better. So if you're below that point and biofeedback is bad too, but the goal is to eventually get back to a diet, which means like she wants to get 
or I'm assuming this is a woman for some reason. I believe so, yeah. Okay. Okay, but the goal is she wants to get leaner in the future. No matter what, like if you feel shitty right now, then if you reverse diet, then go back to the diet, still like biofeedback is going to be shitty. You're going to feel just as bad, especially if you're leaner. So for in that case, the solution is to actually go through a building phase. Because again, I love, I love talking through this because it always clicks something with some people with most people, but like, let's say you have 20 pounds on your body, 20 pounds of fat on your body right now. Right. Um, and that's kind of like for you, that floor, once I get only have 19 pounds of fat on my body, no matter what, I just feel shitty. All right. So we know that like, if you, and like next time, if you reverse diet up, let's say you gain five pounds of fat, but once you're right back down to 20 pounds of fat again, again, you'll just feel shitty because your body fat's so low, right? But if you go through a building phase, you add 10 pounds of muscle. Next time you get to this point, we have 20 pounds of fat on your body, but you have more muscle on your frame. So like, let's say you have another five to 10 pounds of muscle. Your overall body fat percentage will be lower. You'll look like aesthetics will be better, but you won't have actually had to decrease that amount of body fat anymore. So like as far as for one from one perspective, like if you're already to the point where at maintenance you feel shitty, reverse dieting up and then trying to diet back down again likely isn't going to be the answer. Um, but on the flip side, like if we are looking at, okay, I just want to like basically take a diet break, right? Then I would, there's so many variables here again, but then I would, or like I want to take a longer maintenance phase. Okay, then I would again like, just diet, reverse diet up to basically where biofeedback is good. If biofeedback is good, you can keep ramping it up to the point where, okay, now we're seeing like in measurements that, um, I like the first couple of weeks you'll gain weight after that weight should see, stay pretty stable. Uh, again, granted biofeedback is good, but then once we see like, okay, consecutive weeks of measurements are increasing, increasing, increasing. Okay. Then we know we probably need to dial it back a bit and that's about your maintenance. Um, I think it, I think I answered it. You crushed it, man. I think you nailed it. Like a, a general guideline just to put all that in that he just explained. Um, so like for the reverse diet, I think you'd probably typically agree the reverse diet usually ends anywhere from like a two to six week period, mm-hmm. roughly. It can be different for different types of people, but your reverse is probably going to be in that time frame, two to six weeks. And then the maintenance phase, if you haven't lost all of the fat that you want to yet and biofeedback is coming back bad or you've got stressors in your life or whatnot, and that's why you're sitting at a... Uh, you want to come back to a maintenance. Typically, this isn't going to be like perfect because again, it depends on everything that Jeremiah just went over there in terms of all of your biofeedback, how that's coming back as well. But um, your maintenance should probably be somewhere around like at least half to three-fourths up to the same amount of time that you're in that deficit before thinking about going back into it if you still have more body fat. Um, that you would like to lose. And it makes sense for you to lose. I like what you said there too. Like somebody could have 20 pounds of body fat on their bodies, but once they get to that 19 pounds of body fat, that's when they start to feel like shit. And I think a lot of people forget like the end of the day to change your body composition the way that we want. A lot of females forget this is like adding a little bit more muscle to your body is going to dramatically change how you look at different body fat percentages. Right. And everybody's always so, so worried about 
dropping more body fat, getting leaner, getting leaner, getting leaner to in reality, sometimes going through a building phase, like you mentioned, putting on a little bit of lean tissue and then coming back to the same body fat percentage, you're going to look a lot leaner just because of that. And you're going to be able to feel better rather than getting body fat so low that you just feel like shit all the time. You're extra hungry. You're extra irritable. You don't have that much energy. You just don't feel that good. You're not recovering very well. It makes more sense to go through that building phase. And that's scary for women because women are always so worried about like the main goal and what's market is, is leaner, 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 like right. always taking a smaller number on the scale. But ironically, if you can go through those building phases and be patient with what you're doing over the long run, then you put yourself in a position to be able to sustain the result without having to suffer so much to get it. Exactly. You crush it, dude. And that's, I mean, it's scary for women and men alike, just like we were. Yeah, I went through it. Yeah. That's and again, like I'm doing one right now, and still like scales higher than I would like. My face looks all fluffy whenever I hop on Zoom calls, but it's <laughs> part of the, it's just part of the process. But uh, yeah, um, it is. No, I think you crushed that, man. I don't have anything else to add to that. Cool, man. That's all that we got. We've been we had a good long chat before we even hopped on the <laughs> podcast. So we've been hanging out for a while. But dude, it's great to catch up. I am looking forward to linking up here in a couple weeks as well. Me too, man. I can't, I can't wait. I'm really looking forward to meeting up with, with you and with both Cody's and with Tristan, all of us to get together and get to hang out. It's going to be something I'm really looking forward to. It'll be one of the highlights of this year with all the craziness that we've all gone through too, for sure. No, so for sure, dude. It's, I can um, definitely, I definitely miss like being able to be around other like-minded people and whatnot. A podcast helps, but super yeah. cool. And this is the first time like in person I'm going to be able to be out and like hang out with other coaches. Like I haven't been to any events or anything like that. So I'm really looking forward to it. I was even thinking maybe we should um, like take our microphones or something and try to plug in like a, like a f- all four of us. Yeah. I don't know how we can make that work. I don't know like the technical side of it good enough. But like if we could do a podcast with us four would be fun. Yeah, no, that we're for sure going to do that because I was thinking that same thing. I, I think it would work pretty well, honestly. I've heard – I don't think it would be too bad. All right. Well, well I'll research it too, but let's all plan on taking our microphones. We'll let Cody know. Tristan doesn't have one, but I've got an extra mic that I could bring too, so we can Perfect, make it happen. Dude. Perfect, Does man. sound good? All right, brother. This was a good time. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, talk soon, man. Bye. Bye.